0: Good morning, afternoon, and evening, and welcome to the eighty-three eleven cast, your premier Midwestern-based sports podcast, bringing you all things sports to your beautiful ears. Join your hosts Kyle Mersch, Mike Ludwig, Ari Amberry, and Wyatt Tudor as we talk about the NBA, the NHL, and of course our signature segments, Mike's Stupid Rules and Write That Down Predictions. Here on episode two hundred and twenty-four. <laughs> Today, May 22nd, the day that we're recording this episode, NFL owners passed a proposal to allow teams to have a third active quarterback without using a roster spot. This is essentially the old third quarterback rule that was done away with in 2010. And I would assume this is a direct result of the 49ers with Brock Purdy and his elbow in the NFC title game. Then Josh Johnson, Purdy's backup concussed with Purdy unable to throw. They didn't really have a quarterback. They lost the game. Remember that? I know this isn't Mike's stupid rules and I'd recommend you stick around towards the latter half of the episode to get a dose of that, but I do want to briefly go over this. So the verbiage states that in addition to the active list clubs may also designate one emergency third quarterback from its 53 player active slash inactive list. This emergency quarterback can only be activated during the game if, and only if the first two quarterbacks are not able to participate due to either being injured or, or being disqualified. So being benched by the coach doesn't count. If either of those two quarterbacks are cleared by medical staff in the case that they were injured to return to play, the emergency third quarterback must be removed from the game and is not permitted to continue to play any position, but would be eligible to return if another of what we'll consider emergency third quarterback situation arises. And these procedures don't apply if the team carries three quarterbacks on the game day active list. So... 13 years later, we have the same rule reinstated. I mean, the, this just goes to show
1: that rules are implemented due to ratings, right? Rather than anything else, obviously. So I'm sure the NFL was like, wow, the end of that game kind of sucked because, you know, they didn't have a quarterback to actually play and they were just turning r- around and handing the ball off the entire game.
2: They want to make things more interesting. To an extent, this is also a player safety thing, right? Like, if Brock Brock Purdy literally tours UCL, it's not safe for him to be out there, even if he's not really throwing the ball, right? Like, you don't want a quarterback who's injured out there. You don't. That's not safe.
1: They they disguise everything as a player safety thing, and then they go out and say that we're doing two Thursday night football games a year. They put it, the NFL owners all agreed upon you can flex a game into Thursday night twice a year now at a max. They put rules out there and they say, oh, well, there is this player safety benefit to this, but uh, it's just for money. That's all it is. Don't 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 look at the silver lining that they're dangling in front of your face. It's for money.
2: You're right, but when did you become such a skeptic? So
1: you came out <laughs> positive today. You're in a mood. <laughs> A month ago, maybe I don't know. It,
2: it's what it is.
3: It, it's dumb, whatever. Still reeling from that report that came out about
1: all the uh, the differences in rest scheduling. I think sure you can. I I really I didn't care about where the Chiefs were that much. Overcome adversity. It was more interesting to see and wonder what the NFL is trying to do to create a little bit more of a competitive balance or competitive nature within the, and amongst the teams based on the rest. Like they have the authority to determine these schedules and disposition where teams are going to play and who they're going to play coming off of what rest scheduling. Like as Mike said, they have an algorithm for that. There's something that helps them determine that and they put it out there. And it's no surprise that the 49ers and the chiefs were on the opposite end of where Aaron Rodgers goes to this year. So it's almost like they want the Jets to do well um, for a ratings boost or whatever. So there you have it. I'm a little bit of a... I've become more of a skeptic than an optimist in my wiser years, we'll say.
2: I mean, you're certainly not wrong, and I don't disagree with you, but I mean... Your your overall assessment is correct, but I think this is an overreaction to uh, this rule change. Like, is the rule rule change?
1: It's is the uh, what if the other side of that? Is this rule change an overreaction from one game last year?
0: No, it's just a reinstatement of a previous rule. I mean, they did away with the rule when they expanded the roster, right? And. It's only been in play like the, for like the twenty years that it was an active rule. I think it only happened a handful of times. So does it really matter? Probably not.
1: I I guess it would be interesting to see how many teams actually carry three quarterbacks regularly. What, how many?
2: How many keep mm-hmm. three on their fifty-three man roster to begin with? Right. That's what I'm curious about. Like I don't think very many do. I know the
1: Chiefs don't, and I know the Titans don't. Like those are the two that I am for sure that
2: don't. I don't know if the Vikings. Do I can't remember a lot of them have a third or fourth quarterback on the practice squad, but that wouldn't qualify under this rule.
1: I mean, that's a a good way to look that up is by your on 538 off of your ELO quarterback rankings, right? They do list like who the
0: third stringer is if they do have a third string quarterback. Yeah, you know what a good solution to this would be though, if you don't like that rule, is to be like the NHL and just have an emergency backup quarterback for. The, yes. the place that you're playing the stadium
2: that's the yeah. best rule i support world. that i think they did away with that rule though too in the nhl uh, i feel I, like i any remember that i'll look that up throughout the episode and i'll get back to you during the nhl segment i'll get i'll get back to you later on that any any other thoughts on that rule
1: nope none for me nope
3: so we are in the Midst of a very one-sided conference finals so far, which I don't think is what we were expecting going into this. Uh, the Nuggets in the Western Conference are currently leading the series with the Lakers three to zero. Game four is tonight. We'll probably start in like an hour. I think of when we're recording this. Uh, pretty much all the games have been kind of close, but at the end of the games, they've been reasonably comfortable leads for Denver. I think it's been like five, six, and well, nine or something like that. Um the biggest difference has been that Jamal Murray is just proving that his performance in the bubble was not a fluke and he is that good in the playoffs. Oddly enough, something I don't think we talked about before. All four of these teams, it's a rematch of the bubble. That is what the conference finals were in that COVID year. Um but yeah, you can definitely tell that Murray and Jokic are just clicking. Their chemistry is kind of one of a kind in the league right now they almost can read each other's minds it seems like and as good as LeBron has been and he's been pretty good uh, you can definitely tell that the foot is bothering him and he's getting a little bit older and Anthony Davis just whoever was going to win this series is who was the better big man right the better center in this matchup was going to win those games and it's hard to be better than Nikola Jokic and he really hasn't done it so far. On this other side, in the Eastern Conference, though, is the one that's really been shocking, uh, with the Heat leading 3-0 over the Celtics. Um, I believe when this series started, ESPN's BPI gave them like a 3% chance to make it out of this at all. Um, and now they're up 3-0. It hasn't even really been that close in any of these games. I mean, 123-116. to 116. 111-105, to 105, and then 128-102. to 102. Um, No matter who's in, no matter who is out for the heat, whoever is playing that game is just playing it 100%, and they're doing exactly what they need to do. Um, and the Celtics just look shooken. Like, they, every time it comes to clutch time, they just choke. They make poor mistakes. They turn the ball over. Jason Tatum has not scored a field goal in the fourth quarter so far this year, which is just kind of crazy the the year of the series, uh, the series. So okay, yeah, you these said three games is, I was very confused. Sorry, the conference finals this year. He okay. did score some last year's conference finals. Um, but yeah, he has not scored a single field goal in these three fourth quarters against the Heat. Uh, that being said, he has moved the ball. He's made some free throws. I don't think he's been completely useless, like the media likes to make that stat sound. He is contributing value, but you really need to take control of your team in these last seconds if you're going to be that guy which Jimmy Butler is and has no problem being every single time um yeah it just seems like the Celtics don't look like they're ready to win the series it seems like they thought they were going to win all year and it came down to it and they found a team that comes out and just pushed them down and took their lunch money and they didn't know what to do after that
1: I you do have a very rookie coach like leaving after the end of last season right they they unfortunately had that issue with um ime udoka right where they were poised to go into next season with some stability which was this season take that take their game to the next level and then all of a sudden oh boom we have to blow this up because of that issue uh let's just promote an assistant coach right look how look how uh, promoting assistant coaches in college football goes right. There are a lot of times in which the head coach moves on or leaves for whatever reason. You promote the assistant coach and they're just not ready yet. Like, Ime Odoka obviously had some characteristics about him that was able to pull this team together, get them focused and energized. And yet they don't have that with uh, Joe, uh, what's Missoula. his last name? Yeah, Missoula. Like, He's just not ready, I don't think, to be a coach in this instance. Eric Spolstra on the other side is out coaching him and running circles around him as a head coach. And as we said last week, it clearly matters that co- like there are coaches there for reasons. The Miami Heat have stability at that position. The uh, Boston Celtics were vastly unknown at that position all year they just kind of made it through because you know they had a good team they have a lot of good stars and they just kind of had a great season but i don't know and then jalen brown is an issue 52 turnovers this postseason alone he's never been a good ball handler Fifty-two. that's horrible and i don't know the number of times i've turned over the ball
3: I don't know the number off the top of my head, but I'd be willing to bet that his assists are less than that. He generally
1: has a negative assist to turnover. He This postseason, he's averaging 3.4 assists per game and 3.3 turnovers per game. Okay, yeah. So he, he really is plus plus one. Point one.
3: Yeah, that's been an issue for him pretty much since he came into the superstardom type of rule. It uh, really hasn't gotten better, and his handle's always been loose. And then after he cut his hand watering flowers, I believe is what he said. It definitely hasn't gotten worse with the cut across the palm of his hand. Uh, Ironically, uh, last year when the Celtics went to the championship, they also were doing that with a rookie coach. That was Ime Udoka's first year. And then they had to fire him after, or they chose to fire him, however you want to say that, after his first year, picked up another first-year guy, and here they are again in the conference semifinals, and now we're seeing There may be a little bit of a skill difference between the guy who's been a coach in the NBA for the second longest tenure uh, in the entire league and a guy who just started doing it. And, you know, I I think it's that versus and, and you have the same thing on the player side, right? On the Heat, you have Jimmy Butler, you have Kyle Lowry, you have Kevin Love. These are all guys who have been. Deep in the playoffs, uh, Lowry and Love have both won championships. These are guys that know what to do. And you got Haslam as well, who's like 93 years old and has won championships. And Butler's been to a finals. Right. And then on the, you know, on the Celtics side, you have really good players, but all of them are pretty young. Obviously, the core from last year went to the finals last year. But, you know, the new guys they brought in. You know, Derek White. Malcolm Brogdon, they're younger guys. None None of these guys have won a championship. I don't think there's anybody on the Celtics roster that's won a championship that I can think of. So not only are you dealing with a disparity of experience in the coaching staff, you're seeing the same thing with the players. They haven't seen as many bright lights and been down in tough situations as the other side. And they are just coming at their neck and they do not care. And we'll see if, uh, the Celtics can just buck it up and just win a game at this point. You just have to win a game. Otherwise, just save some pride. Because if you get swept by the eight seed in the semifinals when you were basically the second odds on favorite to win the championship, you know, after another team, the Heat also took out. I think you have to make some changes in the offseason. I don't know what they are, but you
1: have to look at something.
2: Coach, let's just everybody fire their coach. <laughs> That's a good one. Just fire get them everybody.
1: out. <laughs> everybody fires the coach, but here's the thing. The Boston Celtics are a, a organization that prides themselves on stability. They don't like to make drastic changes, right? I mean, Brad Stevens leaves his head coach and goes to the front office. Right. They should have Brad Stevens coach game four. Maybe they'd win. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. But what are they going to do? They have to make a decision on uh, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum here coming up because don't both of them qualify for the max extension. Uh, Jalen Brown is qualifying for the max
3: this offseason. Uh, Jason, not yet, but will.
1: Like, um, what is that? 63 or how, I, however many million I, I dollars between the two of them combined on that roster? I don't think that's sustainable. They've got to probably give up one of those two players. But you have to sign him regardless.
3: I mean, they'll sign Brown, and if they can move him, they'll try and move him. There's no way you give him up for nothing. He is a really good player. Um, And like you said, people, I mean, this is a really young team. The Celtics are still a young team, and they have a young coach, and I don't think you should blow it up. You kind of just got to work on the margins and swap people in and out. Horford's been good for them, but maybe you move Horford for a different center. Yeah, You have to look at stuff on the margins because this is a team that could grow together to win a championship. As we've seen these past two seasons, they are good enough to do it. They just have to find the right situation and not do whatever it is they're doing in this series. That's pretty much
1: what I have. It's a disappointing season for the Celtics if they lose here because here you have the Heat that barely made it in. We're scrambling their way in to the playoffs itself and took out the Bucks for you, and now you can't even make it back to the finals. That is a very disappointing and underwhelming season.
3: Yeah, for sure. Especially after, you know, you took out the 76ers, you're feeling good about yourself, it's kind of a rivalry, and then you completely come out
2: flat three games in a row, more or less. Should, should the Bucks unfire their coach now that the Heat look like the best team in the league? <laughs> Wasn't that embarrassing to lose to him yeah.
0: yeah,
3: I didn't think they should have fired Bud in the first place, but... I don't know if you're allowed to, like, call him up and say, oopsie, like, control Z, come on back.
2: (laughs) Undo, undo.
3: Undo, you're good. It was was a joke, April Fools. Yeah, and it'll be interesting. Like I said, I, I anticipate seeing a lot of swapping around of coaches from all these teams that just fired their coach. They'll just end up with one that just came from another playoff team. So I guess whatever there. Anybody have anything else they wanted to mention about either of these series?
2: No, I just wanted to make fun of more people for firing coaches. No, that's
3: fair. That is. that is reactionary. That's all I have. So we'll uh, go from the one playoffs that's happening, and then we'll jump to the second one and see how it's going in the National Hockey League.
2: I I guess I have to say I am now a believer in the Florida Panthers. Um, In the Eastern Conference Finals against the Carolina Hurricane, They jumped out to an early 2-0 lead in that series. Now, it certainly has not been been as dominant as they have been in some of the other series um, with some very entertaining games. Game one, the Panthers won 3-2 in four overtime. Like, there was 15 seconds-ish left in the fourth overtime when the Panthers finally scored that goal. They played two and one-third games. Um, in that sitting, essentially.
3: That was what the um, second longest playoff game ever. I think
2: that's what I saw. Yes. Longest ever oh. in the conference finals. Um, so just, just crazy, um, game there. Florida had initially scored about eight minutes into the first overtime, but it got waved off for goaltender interference. Um, so like half the fans had left their seats and then, uh, the goal got waved off and they all had to run back into their seats to try to, uh, to catch that. I don't know if anybody left the stadium. I hope not. Or well, maybe they're lucky they did, because that game lasted another like two and a half hours after that point. It was crazy. But they did eventually take it. Um, it was like one or two in the morning, um, I think, when uh, that game finally ended, at least here, and it's another hour further ahead on the East Coast. Crazy game. And then in game two they had another overtime. This was just a, a single overtime, only lasted a few minutes. Um, but the Panthers took that one two to one. Um, as well. So they've got a, a 2-0 lead. They're I'm gonna they're the heat of the NHL, right? Eight seed um, who uh, took out a really really good one seed, and now is uh, dominating the conference finals. I mean, at this point, I gotta believe in them. So,
3: I was hoping you were gonna keep being skeptical, and at some point, they're just lifting the Stanley Cup, and you're like, oh, I don't know about them. They could come no, down anytime.
2: Yeah, I still they're gonna drop the cup on the ice, and that means. <laughs> so yeah, I. What I mean, same thing you can say about the Heat. I mean, you have to believe what they've done. So, yeah. so you got to believe what they've done. Um, over in the Western Conference, over in the Western Conference, uh, it's also a 2-0 lead this time for the Vegas Golden Knights. Um, they both of these games have also gone to overtime, all four. Um, Conference finals games have gone to overtime so far. Vegas taking out the Stars 4-3 in game one and 3-2 in game two. So it's kind of overtime hockey. Vegas is trying to make another finals run like they did in their first season. Um, They're trying to make another one this year. So um, we'll keep an eye on that. With game three, um, yeah, with game three, coming up for the Panthers and Hurricanes tonight, and then uh, Tuesday, get a Game 3 for the Stars and Golden Knights. Any questions on the NHL? I do not have any. Fair enough. If that is the case, we'll move into Mike's Super Duels. And you, you guys told me before the episode that you sort of like um, my uh, sort of trivia-ish scenario-based Stupid rule segment. So we're gonna do another one here. You guys, you guys, good for that? You ready for that? Yeah, Yeah.
1: let's
2: do it. All right. So here's the scenario. We'll be in baseball. Um, you've got a got runners on second and third. You've got one out. Um, there's a, a ground ball that's hit, and um, the runner at third decides to stay put, but the runner at second decides to run to third base because he thinks the guy's going to try to score and will to stand up on third base. Both of those runners are now standing on third base. Okay, both runners are now standing on third base. The fielder gets the ball and tags both runners while they're both standing on the base. Who is out? Are one of them out? Are both of them out? Are neither of them out? Which one of them is out, if it's one of them?
3: I would... I think it's the guy from second base, but the
1: reason you're asking me the question makes me believe it is not. (laughs) I think it's the guy who's standing on third? They're both standing on third. The lead runner? The
0: guy who was at third? The lead runner is entitled to the base, so the guy that came from second got tagged. He would be out then. The guy that got tagged on third doesn't count.
2: That is why it is correct, yes. This is rule 5.06A2. It says two runners may not occupy a base, but if, well, the ball is alive, two runners are touching a base, the following runner, so the trailing runner, shall be out when tagged, and the preceding runner, the lead runner, is entitled to the base. Unless, if runner is forced to advance to the base, um, then if two runners are on the base, the lead runner is out, and the trailing runner is safe. So, a for- so in my scenario that I gave, you're correct. The trailing runner is out. But if the bases would have been loaded and somehow that happens, then the lead runner is out. Make sense?
1: Yeah, that, make that so. does make sense. Yeah. It, if,
2: you're for- if you're forced to run, you, uh, you, don't get, uh, you don't get the base if two people are on it. But if it's not a force, uh, it's, it's your base. So there you go. Any questions on that? No. Really, what you what young ball players need to know: if there's two players on the base, both tag of both. you just both tag both of them first of all. And but if you're the runner, just stay there. Eventually, the umpire will tell you which one of you has to leave, <laughs> and then you, they can't get two outs on the play. You both just stand there until the umpire tells <laughs> you which one of you is out. Just stay there.
0: Sounds like experience talking here. I mean,
2: I've, I've never experienced that, but I've seen it I, I've seen times it before, where, yeah. Right, where both runners get tagged and they both go to leave, and then
0: <laughs> – And they both get tagged again.
2: Right, and then they both – yeah, and then they both get tagged again, and now they're both out. Right. <laughs> just yeah, tag them both, but both of you just stay on the base, and the pitcher will – and the umpire will tell you which one of you leave. Anyway, that is this rule – Um, With that being done, we'll move right into our accountability session. Three predictions coming off the board this week. All three from um, last week's predictions. Um, I predicted the Twins would at least split their West Coast road trip. They ended up going two and four, despite leading in the seventh inning or later in all six of the games. um, That series. So that uh, hurt a little bit, but they did... uh, be, sorry being tied or leading in all uh, in the seventh inning or later of all six of those games. so that uh certainly hurts a little bit but uh, two and four is not at least splitting so I get a net nah. nah, nah. Josh if you remember predicted that Christian Yelich would hit uh three home runs last week um he did not hit uh he actually hit three home runs in the two days before Josh made this prediction. But he's hit zero since Josh made the prediction. So he gets a nah. Nah, nah, nah. And and then Kyle, you predicted heat in six, Lakers in six. Um, it will not be heat in six. Or oh, sorry, it might be Lakers in six, because you know, they're already down three-nothing. They can't win that series in six. So... Nah. Nah, 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 nah. That that is it for our accountability session. Um and that will be, that'll be our uh, second-to-last accountability session for this season. We'll have one more accountability session next week. And then uh, when the calendar flips to June, we'll uh, have our results. So, But I will start getting predictions up on the board. Mine won't get off the board um, this season. But I'm liking what I'm seeing from the Cardinals right now. They're starting to play really good baseball again, uh, Ariane. So I'm going to say that the Cardinals are back in first place by the end of June.
3: Yeah, it's been nice to uh, get some notifications that we're winning games instead of losing every single game. Um, I don't know where the Cardinals are right now because I have been contractually obligated to not look at the standings until next week. Uh, but I guess I'll make an exception for you here.
2: Yes, they are currently in. Th- they're in third place, five games behind the Brewers and four behind the Pirates. By they're still six games two. under five hundred. Yeah. They are not. Uh, are they still the favorite to win? The, they are not the favorite to win that division. That's Milwaukee.
3: Mm, taking a look and seeing who we play.
2: Not that helps me that much. And Milwaukee is now the favorite in the division.
3: Um, I don't know. Triple.
0: I'm doubtful, but uh, hopeful, I guess. How many games behind are they? Five. Five.
2: Behind the Boers, four behind
0: the Pirates. I don't know. Triple sounds good to me, but I'm, I'm biased against the Cardinals.
2: Mm.
0: I'm f-
1: oh. What do you want for this?
2: Oh no, I didn't even think what I wanted for it before I did it. Would you say why at a
0: triple?
1: I said a triple. Did Ariane say anything or no? Well, I, I yeah, think he said, said triple. I said as a well. triple.
0: Uh, it's fine with me. Okay, we'll give him a triple. Triple it is. Do everything from Josh this week. Is he still alive?
2: I presume he is still alive, but he is not. Uh, he has not opened my message um, asking if he has a prediction, which is sort of my fault because I sent it late. Uh, but since he hasn't opened it, we won't give him a strikeout yet, and we'll see. Uh, see if he opens it and makes a prediction.
0: Sounds good. I'm gonna predict a very original prediction that came up all by myself, and say that Ferrari will have a podium finish at the Monaco Grand Prix. Kyle, I mean, on, it's Ferrari gonna be. Hater. It's good. I'm not a Ferrari hater,
1: as you can see by my prediction that I clearly made before you when we were making this outline, <laughs> and you completely sabotaged for me, uh, Xerox machine. Um, I mean, this is this is. Charles Leclerc's home race. He's never finished here. Well, he finished fourth last year. It's going to be Red Bull are going to occupy two out of the three podium spots. The third is up for grabs. I'm willing to give this a triple. That sounds great to me. They have to get it. And basically if you hit it in qualifying and you don't completely screw up your race strategy, if you're top three, you should finish top three. Should. Yeah, but Ferrari proved last year that that doesn't, that
0: there is a way to undo that. Yep. Triple. That's what I wanted. Oh, I like how you called me a Xerox machine. If any of our listeners know what a Xerox machine is, tweet at us at 8311cast. I, I know. It's not that old. I don't know. Yeah. Some people probably are.
1: I would hope your place of employment still uses it, but heck no. Some Anybody, place. Got Anybody using fax machines? Fax machine at work? I know I do. Gross. Uh, so, with my original prediction that I had that was totally not copied, I am predicting that Charles Leclerc will get pole position this weekend in Monaco. He could. Correct. He could. I he mean, could. he is one of the drivers racing <laughs> this weekend. Is, um,
0: this is a possibility. There's also a lot of drivers, there's a lot of things that can go wrong. This is really good commentary so far. Good Things do go wrong when they go wrong. Yep, that's good analysis. Um, short track. F- Ferrari's quick in the corners. Definitely a possibility. Double or triple. Um, uh, Probably a triple, realistically. Because it's uh, you never know. His car could blow up. That stuff happens sometimes.
2: Sure, everybody's car can blow up. That's, that's true. True. My car can blow up. My, my, that's what I was about to say.
0: I'd be very upset, though. Wow, this is... Very intriguing analysis. I feel like a triple is a little generous, but that's okay. I'm okay with tri-
3: triple. It is. Sounds great.
0: Ooh. Yay. It's a triple party
3: so far. What do you got, Ariane? Yeah. So for my prediction, I'm going to predict that uh, my car blows up. <laughs> <just kidding>. um, <laughs> triple. Triple. It better be a home run.
2: <laughs> What's the time frame on this?
3: Ever in my whole life. uh my actual prediction is going to be that there is at least one sweep in the Conference Finals. Both the series are 3-0. The next games will decide it. Um, I haven't looked at the odds on those games. I mostly I mean, predicted it because I want yeah, that to happen.
2: At least single.
1: That's what I was thinking.
3: Let me take a peek at ESPN stuff because I'm already on this page for the schedule.
2: There's a chance that the Nuggets win, and there's a 53% chance that the Heat win, according to 538. So it seems like a single to me.
3: Oh, yeah, that's a single. 47% chance and uh, 34% chance, but yeah, probably still.
2: Still, even then.
3: Yeah. Well, 43 and 37 is like 16, so I mean. But you
2: said just one, not
3: both. Oh, that's true. You're right. Also, just kind of crazy that imagine at the beginning of these series, we were like, yeah, probably single. I would not have bet that I, I would have guessed that Nuggets Lakers series was going six or seven easy. But yeah, that's fine. I'll take a triple or I don't know why I said triple.
2: Yeah, a lot sure of triple.
3: Would. <laughs> <laughs> I would take a
0: triple singles. Great.
2: Uh, single it is. With a single, three
0: triples, and one TBD. That concludes our Write That Down Prediction segment, which means we're at the end of the episode. Thank you so much for dropping by this week's episode of the 8311Cast, episode 224. From now until next week's episode, be sure to check in with our socials at 8311Cast wherever you find us. Signing off for the 8311Cast, we have your hosts, i Mersch, Mike Ludwig, Orion Berry, and Wyatt Teeter. Talk to you again next week. Go Cyclones!
2: Go Cyclones!
0: Go Cyclones! Go Cyclones!